0: Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 39 for Monday, May 13th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but you might know me better as Pixel Riffs, and joining me, as always, is the hero of the village, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. <laughs>
1: hey! Uh, the Foreshadowing, folks, just keep in- keep- stay tuned. Yes. Uh, I can't believe it's halfway through May. Mm-hmm. Yes. like what the crap just happened, <laughs> and uh, and only
0: a few days away from Minecraft's tenth anniversary, which is something we'll cover more heavily in the news. But uh, yeah, wow, this is <laughs> it's, the, it's the, uh, the the five years on from when I started, and uh, it, it's it's crazy to think that this game is is turning ten in just a few days.
1: I have a hard time reconciling that I've been playing the game for two years myself. Yeah, yeah, like it, just, it does not it does not feel that long. I, I still it, do not feel like I know enough. Like, in many ways, you're like, yeah, you know, I've been, pl- I know, I know a little bit about the game. I mean, gosh, I do a podcast about it, you know, and then other days, you're just kind of like, I know nothing. I just know I don't know nearly as much As people that have been around for for so long playing the
0: game Believe me I still still have that feeling And I'm making a tutorial series So it's Well I mean It's
1: the beauty of Minecraft There's always somebody new Right There's always somebody that is opening it up For the first time There's always some nine year old That has got no idea what this is and is cracking it open the first time. And then probably, and hopefully subsequently, their parents are also playing with them and saying like, "What? what is this? How, how did I not know about this? You know, it's just because y- your life is steeped with whatever you're kind of into at that time, you know, and as... Uh, and as things develop it either appeals or it doesn't or or some. i would imagine that there's probably a lot of players out there who we don't hear from that used to play minecraft that don't anymore Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if they look at where it is now and they're like oh well that's really neat not that they have time to play or any interest to play but i'm wondering if they they hear news and they go okay yeah i used to play that back in that day yeah I'm, i'm we don't I don't hear from those kind of people either on social media or reddit or you know that kind of place very much
0: it's it's a a somewhat common thread on reddit where somebody will be like i haven't played minecraft in five years so there are wings now and everyone's like yeah okay we need to get you up to speed there is much more than just wings (laughs) but uh so speaking of your two years experience what have you brought to bear on minecraft this week what have you been up to if anything
1: well, this is this might kind of line up with some of the emails we've been getting over the last little while. There's, it's not a direct response to them, but uh, I've been doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work on uh, the Citadel, and I, I also had a moment to meet with Fix-It uh, of the Realm of Vastin uh, over the weekend, because uh, the Realm of Vastin Season 3 is wrapping up, uh, so we're trying to finish the builds up on that thing. Uh, part of it uh, has been a problem up until now, which is good, because... Um, We've been waiting for 114 to be stable mm-hmm. um, because uh, the two builds, the two giant builds in the middle of the city that we've been building have been heavily, heavily decked out in Andesite. And we, both Jersey Boy and myself have been waiting for like stairs and slabs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I um, So when you're building a giant organic tree, you're like, you know, some extra stairs would actually really be helpful. And I kind of don't want to spend uh you know the countless hours of, of filling in this tree only to realize you know two weeks later that i could have had some stairs and slabs when i needed them mm-hmm. um speaking that will also help with some of the previous questions we had about that tree and how we're going to keep it spawn proof right uh, so stairs and slabs are going to do two things it's going to allow us to uh control where snow goes uh, but also control where mobs can spawn which is going to be going to be good um so we've been thinking a lot about that uh i have been doing some behind the scenes digging on um uh, what is it called is it re- trimming chunks I guess is the best way to, to, to yeah. talk about it people, yeah
0: people call it pruning a lot of the time pruning. yeah
1: yeah so I've got some I've got some very specific chunks which people have seen in some of my um, streams uh, we call them the uh, displacement zone on, on the digital uh, and it's just a big chunk it's just a bunch of displaced chunks that that look really weird it looks like minecraft skyscrapers made out of dirt and so I'm looking at trimming those up but I'm also thinking about Uh, erasing a lot of the loaded content between places like we've got a mesa and we've got a jungle and in order to get to those places first we had to load everything in between and in some cases it's a couple thousand blocks so we are thinking about uh, keeping all the current builds that we have but then uh, pruning the chunks outside of that so that we do not have to travel as far for 1.14 content so that is taking up a lot of my behind the scenes time because I'm, I'm looking at like Uh, the amidst map loader to try to figure out where things are. Uh, I am watching a survival guide video. (laughs) <laughs> uh, that has some information uh, about pruning chunks uh, from yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm also looking at. Uh, we mentioned it. I don't. Know, what was the name of the tool? We we had a link in the spawn chunk show notes. Not two weeks ago, I think. MCA uh,
0: Selector is the one we're thinking of.
1: That's the one. Yes. So that that link should be in the show notes for people that are looking to do the same thing. So that's what I've been up to. It's it's been mostly kind of the the back end and min side of stuff. But we have had some some listeners write in and ask. You know, like what's the right way to do a server? Like, do I want This kind of control and that kind of thing. What's better for you know realm versus you know independent server? And if this is the kind of stuff that you want to do, then leaning on an independent server is probably the way to go because you're going to have this kind of control Mm -hmm. uh, compared to compared to other places. But everything always like even realms, you can download a backup. You can always download. Your, your world um, and play it as a single player if you no longer want to play it on Realm. And I think that some people miss that um, in, in the discussion about realms versus like an independent server. But um, it's a little bit easier, I think, for me to download a backup. I also have automated backups. So even if I don't have one right now, the server backs itself up Every night at something like three AM when there's no one on. Yeah. Um. So so these are all the logistics that I've been dealing with this week. So it's not so much gameplay, but it's still very much part of like you know my Minecraft life, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's it's part of the the ecosystem in a way, is making sure all of this stuff is prepared for the update. And yeah, like mm-hmm. like you said, I I did a couple of survival guide episodes about that, about preparing in world and preparing you know by trimming stuff, doing a little bit of that meta work because. Sometimes you just need to do that, and it's it's a good time to do it now that we have a, uh, a more workable version of 1.14.1, 1, which I'm sure we'll get onto shortly. Uh, as far as my week, I spent the week with villagers, and now I want to do something else. <laughs> and not just because villagers in 1.14 are a little bit buggy, but 1.14.1 1 is hopefully going to fix a lot of that. Uh, I've been spending the week making this custom village that I talked about last week on the show, Uh, I've been doing that from scratch, I bred all of the villagers up until we had one of every profession and a bunch of librarians, a bunch of farmers, I tried to make the place a little bit more village-like for them but there were a lot of pathfinding bugs that I was running into where- or rather the villagers were running into, they were literally running into the corners of walls trying to get to beds on the other side of those walls. And yeah, making complex houses in villages does not go well in terms of the villagers actually finding their beds at the end of the day. Mm. They don't technically need to do that for certain behaviors. Like I was for a, for a while, I was under the impression that they needed to sleep in their beds to refresh trades. They don't. They only need to go to their workstations, but they do need to sleep every couple of days in order for the uh, iron golem gossip to spread. So them them finding their beds and refreshing certain things is still kind of vital to certain outcomes that you want from a village and right. yeah having them all just like pile into the co- there was like there, there were sections of the village where four or five villagers would try and squeeze themselves into the same block and they'd be like bouncing against each other like some kind of weird villager mosh pit And I think after a week of that, I kind of went, no, I'm out at this stage. Um, But I had a lot of fun with that. I got a lot of stuff done with trading. I kind of know a little bit more about how the trading system works. Curing them from zombie villagers was great because I got instant discounts on so many of the trades. And I made a very bad iron farm. The episode was even titled A Really Bad Iron Farm because the... um, (laughs) I I built like one of those kind of... just like a a cell with a zombie in it that the iron golems could walk towards. Villagers would get automatically repelled because they didn't want to get close to the zombie but then there'd be like a pit with lava for the iron golems to fall into and then their drops would be collected that way. It wasn't as effective as I'd hoped because I think according to the wiki iron golems are supposed to target mobs within a 32 block range my iron golems were not doing that. Maybe there was a height difference problem or something like that because it was down a, a little bit of a hill, like a three or four block high hill. Um, but most of the iron golems just wouldn't notice this zombie at all until they were within about 10 blocks of it. So I'm not sure hmm. if that's a bug that might be uh, uh, fixed on the horizon. I'm not certain. But um, yeah, I, I, I was having a bit, of, a bit of fun with that, but also it wasn't working as effectively as I thought it was.
1: Did you check the uh, the
0: hitbox eye line? I didn't. No, but I'm not certain quite how reliable that would be at this stage. If it's if it's yeah. a pathfinding thing rather than anything else. I I also tried leading them over to the zombie, and then just leading them over there would cause their AI to bug out, and they wouldn't look for the zombie after that. And then I would log, um... I would log out of the world and back in, and then they would immediately run towards the zombie. So yeah a couple of issues but hopefully those will be fixed in the fullness of time and in the meantime I'm back at my base now and going over some of the other stuff we can do with 114 outside of the villager side of things so I'm looking at how workstations can benefit players now, I'm planning to make a super smelter with just smokers so I can smoke a bunch of kelp and use that for fuel for my other super smelter projects. (laughs) And I never thought about smoking kelp. That's right, because it's a food source. Yes, so you can make it twice oh, as fast, which means doubly nice. fast uh, fuel production, if you want to use yeah. it that way. Um, so your, your, your,
1: smoker, your smoker array is now what you would feed into the fuel for your, your super smelter. Yeah, very cool.
0: Yeah, you, so you can do some stuff like that. And I'm also looking into stacking armor protection enchantments. Uh, that's a, what I did for today's survival guide video, because... You can now, in Java edition at least, apparently it doesn't work on Bedrock, but I guess Bedrock hasn't had the same combat update that Java did a while ago, so maybe it's a a balance issue there, but you can now stack projectile protection, fire protection, and blast protection on top of the existing protection enchantment on an armor. Uh, So basically now my armor has all the enchantments, even though many people have pointed out that mathematically there's no need to do that because the protection you get does cap at a certain point, I just like the look of all of my armor having like 17 enchantments on them at this point. And I just <laughs> I just about figured out a way to get that done without it becoming too expensive. The only one I don't have is thorns because I hate thorns and I don't want it. <laughs> so yeah. um, it's like fire aspect to me. It's that unnecessary extra damage thing that I didn't really need. Um, yeah, so... I, I, also, I
1: also don't... I find that the, the number of uh, enchantments listed on, on armor, I find it hard to read after a while yeah like it just it gets cumbersome (laughs) to the point well especially because they don't go on in any kind of order Mm -hmm. uh or they're layered in the order that they are received as opposed to like once it's on an item i wish that they would display them all in alphabetical order because if you're trying to compare like two or three pickaxes to find out which one is the better i would be going back and forth between three pickaxes and be like what did no, wait, they're all the same. Yeah, they're, yeah. It's just that this one starts with mending and this one ends with mending and on this one, the mending is in the middle. So they all have mending. And they all have unbreaking. But I have to check them all like one at a time as opposed to being able to look
0: at them all. You want um, you want it to be in like a cascading list by how long the name of the enchantment is. So it makes like a nice yeah, slope or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: that would be an excellent UI addition, you know, to something like say the smithing table in the future, if that's what it ends up being used for. It's like when you put an item in the smithing table, Something somewheres would display these are, you know, you know, these are the enchantments that are on it. So rather than having to mouse over and when things disappear, like if you just click on an item or, or mouse over the item back and forth, the same area would switch you know kind of like when you're flipping frames in animation like you're looking for an error Mm -hmm. you know if you if you were looking swishing back and forth between two lists quite quickly and those two lists were in the same space on screen you'd be able to see the differences quite quickly it's like oh oh that one that one has unbreaking two this one has a breaking three sweet okay now i know the difference either that or the smithing table has a button that just says alphabetize. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if only wish. hey we can edit books now like we can go in and, and do these are the quality of life things I haven't experienced that I have to remind myself that are still there yeah, uh, yeah. and that is when you go in and you you know you, you make a mistake on a sign you don't have to break the sign and start over you can just go back up and you know delete the stuff that you did wrong or fix a spelling mistake that sort of thing yeah you can you can uh, mouse
0: to it you can arrow key to it and it yeah it
1: yeah fixes that way. so so, so list, listing enchants alphabetically does not seem like a stretch it also it, that might be something that could be possible in a data pack like it might be something that could be done without creating like a mod you know for the game it could be just like a smaller a smaller um, quality of life edition which is cool maybe Um, speaking of actually we might as well get into some of the news because i know we want to talk about 114 Uh, and i want to get some of these smaller points out of the way because they're not big conversations but I, i wanted to point out speaking of data packs vanilla tweaks has updated for minecraft 114 uh, that's at net. we mentioned this before in the show but the website was down <laughs> because yes. because of the traffic that they were they were they were receiving i was just there i was just browsing over some of the new data packs texture packs and recipes they've added some really cool new stuff uh, it's all pick and choose whatever you want and then it gets kind of uh combined into one resource pack that you can then download and then you could also then put the data packs into you know where they supposed where they're supposed to go Mm -hmm. uh on your on your uh, game file uh but that those kind of tweaks like minecraft is now so easily we'll say quote-unquote modded with data packs that uh these little quality of life changes if you're not happy with some of the things in 114 you know things like you know you want more stairs or the you know you're not getting quite enough out of the grindstone or whatever it is there's a lot of data packs that you can get at your hands at and and i want to kind of tip my hat now that i've seen the website seen and used it and try to um Try to combine some of the things that I like about vanilla tweaks. Uh, It is easier to use than ever Uh, Most if not everything has a video accompanying it explaining what it is And so you can go in and look and say oh, that's what larger phantoms does and all this kind of stuff so I want to tip my hat to uh, Void and the team that that he worked with on vanilla tweaks because um, in addition to one being out uh, vanilla tweaks is also updated for one fourteen, and I think between those two people are going to be very, very happy uh, and it's going to be very easy for people to get what they want. Uh, out of the game.
0: Yeah, we have some of the old favorites running on my patron server. We have um, drag-and-dropping Elytra, double shulker shells, and that kind of yeah. stuff. One player sleeping. All of that stuff works right out of the box. Uh, it didn't even have... Yep. O- occasionally it would get teething problems, like the shulker loot tables would just disappear in 1.13. Uh, there's nothing like that. They seem to be on top of their game now, which is, which is great mm-hmm. considering the release 1.14 had. <laughs> I feel like they are they're perhaps some of the only people who were on top of their game at the moment. Um, but that has now been cured because we have a 1.14.1 release uh, which has you know we, we've been through two pre-releases of that this week um, but it had a lot of good bug fixes it's only gotten better as the week has gone on and now today probably like a couple of hours before we started recording this uh, we got the the full release of that so we'll go through the highlights of that we'll talk a little bit about minecraft's 10 year anniversary which is coming up and then we'll uh, we'll just discuss some of our thoughts on that. So. The highlights from Minecraft 1.14.1 1 include chunk rendering issues being fixed, uh, a fix for hostile mobs not spawning at all or not despawning from your spawn chunks, which was an issue for a while, uh, villagers being able to get hit by their own fireworks when they celebrate raids. Um, or raids ending, rather. Uh, mobs trying to pathfind through corners, which was the problem I was having in my village. Villagers and iron golems counting towards the passive mob cap has now been reverted or fixed, so they're not going to be, uh, you know, taking up the passive mob cap from the spawn chunks if you make an iron farm. And there was an issue with redstone components getting stuck uh, if they received a two-tick pulse and they weren't getting updated after that. Bra- basically breaking anything that used repeaters. Uh, that got fixed as well. There are a couple of outstanding bugs still. Being worked on, and I know a few people in the community are a little bit concerned by the fact that those haven't been fixed in 114.1. Remember that these are still you know they're still being worked on and there's still the opportunity for them to release another 114.2.3 whatever it takes to get it to a state where everyone is a little bit happier with the whole thing but i think 114.1 is it's timely that it's being released now because i feel like any longer and maybe the community wouldn't have really had the patience to stick around and and explore this release when it happened so I'm, i'm happy that they've at least got it out this week and they can continue to focus on some of the outstanding issues throughout the week
1: yeah, I agree. I think that uh, they took the, you know, really, not game breaking, but the, the really poor experience bugs, the things yeah. that were really keeping people from wanting to play the game, prioritize those, got that out, got everything sorted. They even said, you know, we do plan on releasing a two to address further issues issues excuse me whilst we work towards the next major update 115 mm-hmm. so 114 is going to take care of some of the or 114.2 is going to take care of some of the straggling things that they did not push out but i would argue that some of the more niche bugs uh are better for 114.2. They did the right thing by by pushing out the the more crucial bugs, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 fixing them out with 114.1. S- specifically, uh,
0: I think chunk rendering was putting a lot of people off updating, so now that that's mm-hmm. fixed, I think yeah, people mm-hmm. are people are going to get the experience of Minecraft that they expect when they log in, which is the important bit really.
1: Yeah. I I'm in that camp for sure. Uh, the last bit of news is that uh, Minecraft is celebrating 10 years of uh, gameplay as of this may 17th 2019 that's 10 years of minecraft there is an anniversary sale happening now up to 50 percent off of uh, various versions of the game 25 percent off of merchandise from the official store etc minecraft classic has been re-released as a browser game you can play that at uh, classic.minecraft.net we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well and microsoft uh sorry uh, microsoft twitter account teases some of the augmented reality minecraft app uh stuff that's coming uh and that is i think there's more coming on the announcement day uh as far as i as far as i know i have not been keeping a heavy beat uh on on minecraft um minecraft's birthday but i know that you have a keen eye on on friday yeah the the 17th (laughs) for obvious reasons i mean i'm not Um, i'm not
0: saying it's they're they're releasing all of this stuff on my birthday but it's 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 basically happening isn't it um i would say own that (laughs) yes no totally they've done it all for me and as as regards this um microsoft tweet they they put out a tweet uh early last week i believe it was where it was uh, a short kind of teaser video of somebody picking up a phone off of a bench and then looking at the app that was open on the phone and then minecraft stuff starts popping up around them in the world kind of like a uh, an artificial augmented reality kind of thing in a similar vein to the stuff you see in pokemon go uh, so a lot of people were thinking is this going to be some kind of minecraft equivalent of pokemon go is it going to be one of those those apps that like encourages kids to get outside and explore the real world instead of just sitting inside and playing video games which is always you know a positive thing to promote like healthy activity and that kind of stuff but there isn't really any other information about it they said tune in on uh, on Friday to get more of the, the kind of information about this in the Minecraft announcements that are happening. So yeah, the, the website has been revamped, has a 10-year anniversary logo on it, and there's a bunch of stuff saying, you know, coming soon, big question mark here, watch this space. So interested to see what's, uh, what's coming up. I... I have a feeling we're not going to get any announcements related to the core game. Uh, we did mention this last week that maybe we'll hear something about Minecraft Dungeons or any of the other experiences they've been developing. This app seems like one of these things. And to be honest, I'm not that into like mobile app stuff. I gave up on Pokemon Go after a few months of playing it. I just kind of decided it wasn't for me after that. Uh, and I don't really care much about the app thing yet, but mostly because I don't know what it does. So mm. vaguely interested in that and as for minecraft classic i might dip into it briefly but there's no nostalgia there for me i joined minecraft five years in so i i was i was used to a more cohesive game experience at that point point. and i've seen a few people getting back into minecraft classic and being like wow look at how green the grass is and like how how, how different it is and it's it's a nice way to look at how far we've come since then but i don't really mm. see myself making too much use of, of minecraft classic maybe worth a look for anyone who's interested in the history of the game though yeah
1: yeah yeah. Uh, it has been three years roughly since the release of pokemon go i played it like you did for like a couple of months and it was kind of cool but i didn't really follow up on it now i'm the wrong i'm the no i'm not the right fan base i i did not i missed pokemon growing up it was it was too young for me um the the thing that i noticed and one of the reasons i stopped playing was that Battery life on the phone really did not last long enough yeah. to enjoy it. Yeah. And more and more around here when it was a huge fad and there was people all over the place uh, in groups playing it. I would be walking by or out for a jog and see groups of people out doing Pokemon Go and all of them would have these battery packs attached to their phone that <laughs> yeah. just wouldn't stand up. Yeah. Um, well, I keep up on tech news and battery life on phones, even though it's been three years, have not increased exponentially. Like yeah. you might get an extra hour or two, you know, from a brand new phone that comes comes out this year compared to a, a brand new phone from three years ago, but they're kind of at a wall. So I don't know, unless there's a, a better way that that this kind of augmented reality app can uh manage the the drain on your phone i mean if you can't play it for more than you know uh, a half an hour without it being you know troublesome i don't know people will find it neat but i don't know if it's going to have any kind of staying power uh i do at least applaud Mojang and microsoft for throwing some spaghetti at the wall to see if it sticks. Right. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if it's just a marketing tool. Like even if you're walking down the street and you get to see something that happens, and it ends up being an ad for Minecraft Dungeons or, you know, I I would rather interact with something cool like that and get more information about, you know, upcoming content than I would just having blog posts, right? Like, or or if it was just another game. Like at some point you have to be concerned a little bit about dividing your player base right like i mean is it well, who's your tar- target audience with an augmented reality app is it people that are playing minecraft would you not rather than be playing minecraft because with so many of the player base being in bedrock where there's a minecraft store you would think that you'd rather put them there right and 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 push the, the content there yeah but I don't, I don't know like it's so i without knowing much more about it i'm not really sure what to think um how how do you feel about the whole minecraft 10th birthday thing like do you do you feel nostalgic about it
0: not particularly but mainly like you said because it's been overshadowed by the fact that it's my birthday as well um i i don't (laughs) i don't feel as excited for it as i do about something like minecon but then i haven't really been following minecraft for all that long relatively speaking i feel like you can only really feel the impact of it being the 10th birthday of this game if you've been there from the beginning and other folks might uh think differently and it would be great to get some uh some kind of you know, listener emails about this kind of thing. Like, how does how does Minecraft's 10th birthday have an impact on you? Let us know, thespawnchunks the at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I'm I'm super hyped for it. I, I will tune in. I will see what's going on. I'll probably, i am I don't know if there's like a live stream. They haven't announced like a specific time to show up. They just said we're going to announce stuff here on this day. So hmm. I'm probably just going to check the website once or twice on that day and see what's up and maybe look on Reddit to see if anybody has any you know, immediate reactions to it. But aside from that, I'll I'll see what it is before I get excited about it, I guess.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm hoping we get more information about Minecraft Dungeons. That's that's kind of where I'm I'm leaning. I, I again I agree that we're not going to get anything from Uh, the the main game but i I, i'm looking forward to because if they're going to be branching off and talking about augmented reality or or whatever this app is and potentially uh, minecraft in other media we might get a little bit more information about the minecraft movie like it it seems like they're kind of branching out and talking about minecraft in other media as opposed to just the the core minecraft game yeah um and i i would be i'd be open for for that i think it would be a good time uh, to have minecraft dungeons m- get a little bit more of a spotlight uh, where it doesn't necessarily take away from the main game because you're in between versions you know like there's there's been mostly bug fixes recently there's not been a lot of you know things i mean really we're halfway to minecon you know in terms of if it's going to be in the same kind of time what was it like september last
0: year I yeah think? i think it was some sometime something around like that. that yeah you know
1: end of summer early fall sort of idea so i mean like we're not too too far off it's it's already may so sometime you know now you know ish would be a good time to start talking about minecraft dungeons i'm also seeing an awful lot of talk about hightail uh, there i mean even even though their latest blog post has said we're going to dial back the amount of uh, of content that we're talking about on the blog because it's it's taking away from our development. Um, they still have an awful lot of information out there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, Mojang and Minecraft Dungeons need to catch up just a little bit to stay relevant before they forget that it even exists, you know? Yeah. Um, or sorry, before the player base forgets that it, it exists. Um, I'm the wrong person to ask about Nostalgia because like I said, I've only been playing this game for two years and so many changes have happened in the last two years that I it all just bleeds together. Yeah. You know, obviously, since doing this podcast, I have a better handle on what happened in 113 and what happened in 114. But you start asking me what happened between 111 and 112, which is, I think, around when I started playing. Phew, I can't remember the details. Like, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's all just Minecraft to me. It all kind of mashes together.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh, in terms of what I'm going to be doing on Friday, I'm probably going to be playing quite a bit of Minecraft 1.14.1 because (laughs) I, I logged into the survival guide world with it and it's running a lot smoother for me. Chunk rendering is definitely back to where it should be. Although personally, I can't wait for Optifine to have it work even better it's still yes. it's still loading very smoothly none of that glitchiness none of those you know missing things and just seeing entities load up in the background without any blocks it's all back to normal so it feels like playing minecraft again which is kind of lovely um my uh yeah my work on the village project kind of highlighted those bugs with villager ai and i loaded up the world in minecraft 1.14.1 1. pre2 on a stream just to see if uh that would fix the problems i was having and it and it did they all actually managed to pathfind to their beds okay and it was it was glorious after a little bit of frustration also there was this issue with using bells as meeting sites and in regular one fourteen, they got stuck after i moved a bell from one place to another they still went back to the old location of the bell even though the meeting point was clearly on the opposite side of the room so yeah that that is now fixed as well like i logged in and they all immediately went over to the bell and i went oh thank goodness because that was just weirdly frustrating when you've been trying to manipulate the way these villagers go through their day uh i'm very glad villagers and golems are out of the passive mob cap that seems like a very sensible thing means mm-hmm. that iron farms aren't going to stop passive mobs from spawning elsewhere in the world if you build them in the spawn chunks which is great especially considering that the current like approach to building a straightforward iron farm without some of the more complex uh mechanics that folks like doc M and captain Wutax have showcased in their farm uh is just to cram as many villagers into the farm as possible and then you get you know iron golems churning out of that because of the sheer amount of them who are gossiping uh yeah that that could absolutely kill you know spawn rates elsewhere on on a world if you if you did that so it's it's good that they've at least managed managed to get them out of the passive mob cap again so that stuff can can spawn elsewhere uh so I guess you haven't had much of a chance to pop into 114.1 considering it came out like a couple of hours before the podcast but any any first impressions
1: well, I popped into the same creative world that I did a stream with a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. and um i I mean, right away, obviously I noticed that the chunks were loading a lot faster and 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 weren't tearing. Like it, as chunks were loading, they were loading at the render border as as you would expect them to. yeah, uh, and things were not being transparent you weren't getting any weird x-ray things like it all seemed to go uh, pretty well uh it was a little bit slow to load but again like this is also you know i just downloaded the new version i just booted it up so you know like there there was a lot kind of rendering and i wasn't in there for an hour like i was in there for 10 minutes uh so uh, and i was flying around in creative so things are you're 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 traveling faster than your render distance can keep up at that point and that's always been true of minecraft it doesn't matter what version you're playing Uh, I did, however, notice that when I came across a village, a raid had started and I didn't have, uh, any kind of bad omen. It just kind of started as soon as I hit the village, which is like, well, that's weird. I don't know why. I don't know enough about this to know why, but whatever. I'll, I mean, I'm in creative. I've got infinite arrows. I'll just see what I can do to hold off these, these, uh, raiders. Uh, and I've never actually done that before. So I just thought, well, it's a good opportunity to have a little bit of content to talk about on the show. Uh, none of the villagers went indoors, like (laughs) none, none of them they would walk up to a door they would think about it and they would turn around and they would go the other way some of them even ran towards the raid and died mm-hmm. not entirely helpful it's it's not oh oh here comes a raider and i'm running away and i can't get away it's like oh there's a raider i'll go towards that person it's like n- n- but th- no it it's so in from what i saw still pretty broken now this is the same world that i had opened up in the in the previous seed or the previous um version the, the the pre-release so uh there could be a problem there new worlds might not have this issue uh it might not have this issue if i had been in another area like if i had not been in, in that village when i came when i loaded back up in 114.1, uh then it might it might be different Uh, but I did not really, I wasn't really impressed with the AI, the villagers. It seemed pretty all over the place. Um, the, the other issue that I noticed, uh, was, uh, after that was done and they moved on, I was flying over the hills and everything was rendering fine. I was kind of looking around and stuff. It's actually kind of, it's, I kind of lucked out. It's actually a really interesting seed. There's a lot of like, um, what's the Mesa biome where it's like extreme hills. It's like Mesa plateau or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Ve- very cool. I there was some really neat stuff where it's like, woo, I'm gonna have to remember this C. This might be something for future future yeah. reference. Uh but as I came into another village, uh the the lag set in. And it wasn't like a visual break like it was with chunk loading before, but my like my iMac is normally very quiet it takes an awful lot for this thing to to make a noise and i could hear it over my headphones like it just, it spun up and started just whistling and i was like mm-hmm. wow this this is this is not normal i've never encountered this before uh so so yeah i feel like uh the additional performance bugs and stuff that they're planning on fixing in 114.2 are uh, you know always going to just be a uh, march forward and and help uh, with things I'm not entirely convinced yet uh, that these villages and raids and the changes that they've made to villagers are overall positive. I I, I see the intention, but it does not seem to be well executed from my point of view. Mm-hmm. I've seen videos from you and Hermitcraft and people where things kind of go as you would expect. You know, like the raids are hard, the guys come in, the the, the villagers go indoors and you're trying to keep the bad guys away. Uh, and I, and I, I, I've seen it work, but I've not seen it work firsthand. So, so far my experience has been, this is still pretty buggy. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just me. And I don't know how many other people out there are having that experience. I don't know whether it's a Mac thing versus PC. It shouldn't be, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think the dust needs to settle and people just need to, instead of going in and just testing it, like we've been doing, uh, you know, or I I guess as I've been doing, people just need to go play like yeah. you need to have your world updated to 114.1 you need to find a village and just see what happens and see if things behave the way that you're, they they expect them to uh i even went and rang the bell and it was like they all ran to the bell and then they all ran around like chickens with their heads cut off and that was it they didn't they didn't do anything else it was like mm,
0: that's not what it's supposed to happen yeah they <laughs> they know? they seem to be a little bit confused about whether they need to run to doors or they run to their home bed and sometimes that includes both of those things. But yeah, with the pathfinding that's been a problem recently, yeah. I haven't really had a chance to explore how yeah. raids are, are different in one fourteen point one. So, If
1: I was to guess, I would say that the villages are rendering in with not enough beds for the amount of villagers. Oh, and yeah. So I, I, three, I, I, three or, three or four villagers so. jump inside, they go inside, and they get in their bed or whatever. And then the other villagers are just like, I... I don't have a place to go, so I don't know where to go. Yeah, I'm supposed to be moving, so I'm moving, but I'm not sure where I'm going. And one that's of, what it seems. It seems like there. It seems. It seemed like there was a missing piece of the puzzle. You know,
0: one of my favorite villager behaviors so far is when one of them gets in a bed and the other one kind of stands over them, looking down as if to say, y- "Are you gonna move over? Like, is there room here for me?" Like, <laughs> it's it, it's it's the case when they don't quite have enough beds. And the, the one problem I've still encountered with the village that I built was that if they are well fed and if you've traded with a bunch of them they will try and breed but then if you don't have enough beds for them they seem to get mad and they'll still get those heart particles and stuff but instead of saying oh okay we can't breed right now so let's just forget about it they keep trying to breed and then they get mad that they don't have beds and then the problem with that is if you put down more beds the village population increases and your problems multiply because then the farmers continue to feed the new ones and then all of them try to breed as well so the problem mm. with villages right now seems to be exponential growth is possible just from a regular village and i don't know if that's something that they've maybe figured out in this in this uh, release or not so we'll we'll see and like i said there are still going to be 0.2 potentially 0.3 and and beyond updates to 114. so don't count them out just yet there is definitely yeah. going to be the chance for some stuff to be updated even if it gets left until 115. but it gets updated then you know the, there are going to be bugs that carry on in perpetuity there are going to be some bugs that get fixed sooner rather than later so it remains to be seen what those are and you can help by leaving them you know constructive feedback and making sure that you upvote issues on the bug tracker and all that kind of stuff. But we should move on to Chunk Mail because we have a couple of emails we want to get through this week. Uh, how about you read the first one?
1: Yeah, first one is from Mer Chris Plays, and it's actually related to villagers tangentially. It is about professional tables. Uh, I have been playing Minecraft since 2013. I've played a lot with cousins and friends. I have been playing with mods as well. It got me thinking in speculation, in the near future or the next update, what if crafting high-level tables uh, inv- involved tools that could no longer be uh crafted on the crafting table so the crafting table would only have wooden and stone tools all or ingot related items could only be crafted through the smithing table and the same goes for the fletching table and bows would love to hear your thoughts I, i i've got some some gut feedback on this johnny but what what are your thoughts on this
0: i think only being able to make say diamond tools in a smithing table instead of not uh, not being able to put them in a crafting table anymore would be a mistake because i think the crafting system as it is is just simple and intuitive enough that new players are going to understand it but then moving stuff to a different smithing table just seems like an unnecessary extra step for me and i understand people find it weird that you can somehow craft these egg-shaped diamonds into a pickaxe just casually on a crafting table but it's just the system that's been in place for a while now and while i'm not resistant to change i think that it doesn't feel quite right that suddenly this extra table has to get involved um maybe enhancing them somehow in a smithing table is the direction i would want to go with it um as regards moving functionality to other workstations i've already been caught out a couple of times by having to repair unenchanted tools in a grindstone if i want to combine a couple of bows or crossbows i think i did first with the uh the the pillager raid and so forth i wanted to combine those two crossbows to increase the durability and and keep them around i kind of went oh okay i'll just combine that in my inventory wrong you can't and i didn't have a grindstone nearby i think them turned out to be one in the village that i was trying to protect but it still catches me out a couple of times and having that be an obstacle to you getting a diamond pickaxe, especially if you're down in a mine and all you want to do is just make one diamond pickaxe so you can get the obsidian, come back to the surface and make your enchanting setup. It seems like an unnecessary extra step to me. How about you?
1: I agree. Uh, I think removing functionality from the crafting table is a mistake uh, or would be a mistake. Yeah. Uh, I even would go so, so far as to say that the new profession blocks should be adding good alternative ways to craft things but that's not always the case you know for example we've mentioned before that the um, blast furnace uh, not smelting anything but ores is kind of pointless you know it it really doesn't get you very far uh, outside maybe a couple of of uses in in the early early game but after that why would you bother you know Um, because the speed does not uh, help you enough because it doesn't offers many different items. It's
0: fixing a problem we didn't have. The problem is not that we need more time to, like we want the ores to smelt faster. It's that acquiring the ores in the first place is a slow process.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, and and we've mentioned before that it doesn't smelt glass. And if it smelted everything but food, then sure. I mean, that that has some uses, you know, like that's beneficial to the player. Uh, I think something that just dawned on me now when you were talking about upgrading a pickaxe in a uh in a smithing table to to do something else like you know maybe a guaranteed enchantment or something like yeah, that yeah yeah uh what if uh instead of if they want to tier things what instead of just having the same crafting table that you make and carry with you from day one uh which i think is key because i don't want to carry four tables with me yeah uh y- what if you could then make a smithing table make a crafting table and then combine them yeah to be a portable smithing table, at which point it will do all the things. You still have to be able to earn the, the mats to create the thing, and it it it's not a huge roadblock, but I think having that one block in your inventory that everybody carries with them to be able to craft things on the fly uh, is incredibly important, and I think there's already an inventory problem in the game, and I think that adding um, or restricting craftable items to specific blocks is not the way to go i think a good example though is the stone cutter you can still do all the things that the stone cutter does in the crafting table they've did not they did not remove that but you can do it more efficiently efficiently in the stone cutter
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and and i think that therein lies the benefits like okay why would i want to make one of these well if you're going to be in this location and you're going to be building a lot of this stuff having a stonecutter handy is going to be beneficial to you. Whereas if you're on the go and you're in the middle of nowhere, you don't want to have both a stonecutter and a crafting table on you. You just want to have the crafting table.
0: Yeah, like a, a basic example of how that would work with a smithing table would be, say you've got two diamonds, you can make a pickaxe on the smithing table with two diamonds instead of three. So you don't have to have all of the materials required for it all of the time, but it allows Mm. you to refine them a little bit better for a little bit of extra material cost that you put into crafting the smithing table in the first place. There's just a possibility Mm -hmm. for that stuff to to cycle in, but I I think they, from what they've hinted at in the the previous kind of change log, uh, they are looking into some stuff that doesn't really fit with what we have in the game right now it's going to fit with whatever happens in the next update a lot better which is why yes. people in some in previous weeks have thought yeah this is going to be some sort of combat or tool related update that's going to yeah. change yeah. that that a little a little bit
1: well something we speculated last week with regards to the the photo the the, the cryptic image that they tweeted out where you know if you put a chest plate and an elytra on a smithing table and you you know clang and bang them together so that Mm -hmm. then you could wear them together at whatever benefit that would give you then that would make sense like it would make sense that the smithing table can do something that the crafting table cannot but not remove something that the crafting table would do already uh i'm wondering do you know if data packs can affect things like the crafting recipes that go into um blast furnaces
0: i don't know actually i'm not i'm not sure if they could change the stuff that you can smelt with a blast furnace i imagine they could but i know they
1: i know they affect the yield of a regular furnace yeah i've seen that recipe before where you can say like i want to smelt this but i want to get more than you know than the game previously allowed it it
0: kind of doubles the output or something yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. so i'm curious because that that would be an interesting way to um to to tweak the blast furnace to then be useful you know, until uh, until if there's a point where where Mo Yang maybe changes it.
0: Yeah, I, I expect somebody could do it. I'd like to like to see that happen. And while obviously Survival Guide, I try and keep as closely to the vanilla game as possible, so I tr- I try not to make changes right. like that. I think it's mm-hmm. something that would definitely be better for quality of life on servers, especially folks who are building something with large quantities of glass or smelting all of that leftover netherrack into nether brick that kind of stuff it can be very mm. very worthwhile for that especially cuz yeah. even with like the stonemason being able to trade red bricks now those trades aren't particularly fast to execute We've talked about this previously where the fact that the villagers have to refresh their trades a couple of times a day means you can't really farm resources in the same way. So you're still going to want to go to a furnace array or even a blast furnace if it was possible to make yourself brick and things like that. So yeah, I I really think it it should work for more materials and data packs could be a good solution for that if people are feeling as dissatisfied with that as we are.
1: Mm-hmm. If uh, Speaking of building, uh, we have another email Coming in that re- actually is Directly related to building, you want to read this one?
0: Yes, uh, this is from T Home Easy uh, Who asks, how do I improve My building? It says, I've been playing Minecraft for three years, but my building Is not very good. Did it take you Guys a long time to learn to build Well, or did it come quickly? Did you watch Tutorials? How do you keep Going and still be creative? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, thank you so much T Home Easy. Uh, I'd say it took me a while. Um I think I still have a lot to learn. I I doubt anyone has reached a point where they feel like they have nothing left to work for as far as building goes. Um but there was definitely a point where I was like, okay, I I've got to the point where I can execute the vision I have in my head and that's enough for me for now. There's still there's still some stuff that you know, builds don't just pop into my head fully formed. I still have to, to work pretty hard at making them look good. Um, how about you, Joel? You're an artist. So, you know, you've probably got a different perspective on this than I have.
1: And that's where it gets a little bit interesting in terms of, you know, the speed at which I could kind of get in there to Minecraft, having only been playing it for two years where I am an artist, I would say building creatively in Minecraft kind of comes quite naturally to me. Uh, not so much in that i think that i'm the best builder but but in the for me to think about a shape of of a house or a build and be able to execute that my spatial recognition and just kind of the idea of building something in 3d space i've been honing that professionally for a while so it becomes pretty easy for me to dive in and do that kind of stuff that's not to say that my early builds were very good because they weren't i it took me a long time uh to start thinking out of the box like the the square things that you see in minecraft and just kind of like putting things in a line and you know building with um all the same block for example you Mm -hmm. know i i didn't do a lot of texture work and stuff like that Um, I think challenging yourself is a good idea. Just be prepared for, I don't want to see failure, but be prepared for it to not go well the first time. Like, Be prepared to rip something down or rip a section of something down and start over again. Uh, I went from being a very doing a very boxy kind of like, you know, starter house. And I went straight into designing a a version of snake mountain from the He-Man cartoons. So (laughs) it was huge. It was organic. It was the shape of a snake. Like I had to do all kinds of planning, but it really taught me a lot about Minecraft very, very quickly and scale and, and you know, how, how to build high things when you, when early on, I didn't have a light dress. So like I had to pillar up, I had to make scaffolding. I had to do all this kind of stuff. Um, I had to be efficient like I had to build stuff in a in the right order so that I didn't have to then go back up and down and up and down and spend my whole time just climbing ladders. Uh I didn't watch any tutorials uh outside of maybe a few from you actually uh Johnny. Hmm. But what I did find is that I started to watch Let's Plays from people like Johnny and Hermitcraft people and people that I liked. I I would look at their builds and go like, that's cool. I want to know how they did that. And so rather than just sitting down and getting a block for block for tutorial, I would just kind of watch Let's Plays, observe how they're using certain blocks. Sometimes you'll get someone... Uh, a good example is uh, Good Times with Scar. He'll often take the time to, to, to discuss with his viewers why he chose the blocks that he chose, and and that is very helpful. Even if you're not necessarily copying what he's doing, but it gives you the idea of choosing something with intent. Uh, and I also plan a lot on paper, but I'm very comfortable there. That's where I can kind of like, um, I like to I like to call it an artist vocabulary. Uh, sorry, excuse me, an artist vocabulary. I can. I can draw a foot, I can draw a hand, I can draw a shutter, I can draw a flower pot because I've drawn them enough throughout my career that I can just kind of whip them out of my head. Whereas in Minecraft, I'm still very much in that trial and error phase where it's like, would this look good as a shutter? Uh, Let's try that. Mm, No, let's try something else. So I spend a lot of time in a build kind of like throwing blocks up against the wall, literally to see if they stick. Whereas I've seen other builders that have that builder vocabulary where they have like "Mm, i've got 60 different times types of dormers that i could build in this house which one do i want to just plop in and to me that just feels crazy but they've been building for so long in minecraft specifically in these ways that they just kind of have those kind of things in their back pocket Um, Same with texture. You know, you see a lot of people working with different blocks and textures It's because they do it so much that they just know instinctively if they go to uh, coarse dirt, brown concrete and, you know, green concrete that it looks like dirty moss, you know, like they could just they can kind of whip this stuff out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would say and I'm curious about your thoughts on this, uh, but I'd say for for staying creative, for pushing yourself forward, I think the easiest thing to do that is to tell a story if you give yourself a narrative if you give yourself reasons why builds exists you will very quickly not just run out not run out of things to do but you will find yourself overwhelmed with things to do because it just it changed it's like well this aqueduct is here because this society was here at this age and they had to fight the bad guys and whoa who are the bad guys where did they live what did they look like and so all of a sudden you're down this you've got a, a list of 20 things that you can do in your world and i think that that telling a story is a great way to kind of break any kind of creative block how do you get past you know Staying creative in a world, especially now that you've been on, say, like the Survival Guide for what, like a hundred plus episodes now.
0: Yeah, we're on episode 138 as of today. It's it's a lot, and obviously the the pressure to produce daily content is the thing that makes me, you know, keeps me going in the same world. And even some of my some of my builds aren't necessarily finished. Like the castle build that I've been working on for a while looks finished from the outside, and the outside is the bit I was focused on. But then. I haven't done probably 50% of the interiors in there because I don't really have anything to teach as far as tutorial episodes go. So I feel like there's not really it's not necessarily worth my time if I'm not going to be using those areas regularly. Um, for a start, there are so many different disciplines when it comes to Minecraft building. There is interior and exterior. There are so many different styles. There's you know it it, it becomes about identifying what you want to build and what you feel like you are good at building and then. for for want of a better term building on that you know kind of establishing a bit of a repertoire like joel was saying kind of establish bits and pieces of a house you can do and if that means reproducing the same house over and over again until you feel like you can iterate on that and change little bits and pieces to make them all feel like they have character then that's a good approach too if i look around my neighborhood in real life A lot of these houses are built after the same pattern because they were all built at a time when it was like council housing and everybody just needed a place to live. So you'll find a lot of them are modeled after exactly the same floor plan and footprint and they've been changed by the owners or you know they've been modified a little bit, some of them are attached to other houses, some of them aren't, and there are just so many different little iterations but they're such small changes. And if you just keep building the same house over and over again in a pattern like that before you know it you've built a neighborhood and one of my one of the things i always think about building on a larger scale in minecraft if you're building a city or something like that is the the macro scale of things is important looking at it from a distance even if the houses individually up close don't look all that good if you have a lot of them and they have some kind of like organization if they're just built in like a long row for example that looks like a city street now even if the houses up close aren't anything special you've already built more than the average person who's just going to build one really fantastic looking house and then is going to run out of creativity entirely so don't don't take it from a a perspective of like you have to be a perfectionist about one thing before you move on move on from those ideas and and iterate on them and keep doing different stuff
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Because for me, I will not let myself go back and redraw old comics. Yeah, I just draw I draw the next comic better. I look at the ones that I don't like, say, what do I not like? How can I get better? I don't necessarily go back and like redo old stuff. I, I think moving on and, and perfect is the enemy of done. Mm -hmm. Right. And nothing gets you down on yourself more than not being able to finish anything because you're just you're so focused on it being perfect. Get it done. Give yourself a time limit maybe and say like, okay, whatever this is, it has to be done by Friday uh, or the end of my weekend. And that I'm going to be as good as I can in that time frame. And the challenge is like the next time you do something, build it better in the same amount of time. Mm
0: hmm yeah and and don't get don't get down on yourself about it it's it's a video game you're here to have fun ultimately yeah so like, yeah, don't, yeah. don't don't like stress yourself out about it but in in terms of who who to watch uh i started watching a few people quite early who were specialized in building uh people like b who has a long-running building series it's kind of inactive right now um but i watched them because they were entertaining first and foremost Um, It was more like I I wasn't necessarily looking for people who were expert builders, but were, you know, dull as ditch water. I wanted someone who was going to keep me interested. And from there, I picked up new and interesting ways to use blocks. So I think it's important to find creators that you're going to stick with if you're interested in, you know, shadowing another creator to see how they build stuff. My advice would be to watch vanilla players more than modded players, even though there's probably like a, a, a larger modded player base out there in terms of the sheer amount of content that's out there modded players will often focus more heavily on tech progression and don't really care about base building either that or they use modded blocks which aren't going to be as accessible to you as a vanilla player if you are a vanilla player or you're not going to have the same mods and you're not going to be able to reproduce the same results. I find that modded building can get a lot more detailed. If you think about mods like chisels and bits, you can create Mm. incredibly detailed like art deco inspired skyscrapers and stuff like that which work on such a better scale for the player than anything you can build detailed in vanilla, but it's all it feels like cheating because they've done it using something where you can edit individual pixels of a block and that itself takes a huge amount of time if you don't know what you're doing and you're not using templates for it and that kind of thing so that can be kind of difficult also if you're building in the default texture pack watch people who use the default texture pack or at the most faithful um, because it's really easy for people to make the builds look good because they're building with conquest or they're using shaders and while many of those folks are talented builders it's kind of an unfair comparison if you're playing with default textures in java edition um, so I I find myself like it, try not to compare yourself too heavily to other folks builds because a lot of the time aside from it being a great build they will also have tricks to make it look really great. Ninety percent mm-hmm. of the build the builds that I get wowed by on Reddit I take a step back and go well actually no they've rendered that in a program and their friend who does Photoshop has chucked a ton of filters on it to make everything look like it's underwater and the the natural Minecraft environment isn't going to look like that. It's still an impressive build. But they're showing it from a perspective that you couldn't possibly see it from in game. So, yeah. try and, if, if you're looking for inspiration, try and look for people who build really good in vanilla with default textures if you can. By all means, expand your search later once you're a bit happier with it. But I think don't stray too far from the way your game looks to begin with, at least. Yeah,
1: something that I really enjoyed having on in the background when I was working or looking for inspiration, trying to come up with different shapes, uh, Corallis has an inspiration series. More often than not, he's talking with Andy as Yoda, but he's got a couple of different guests that come on. And and that's all they do. They're just they they're in spectator mode. They just kind of fly around and look at different stuff. And a lot of it has to do with modern housing. So if you're into that kind of stuff, that, that might be the way to go. Sometimes there's some different things they've done. They did one on the Lord of the Rings server. Or they did one on uh some plot servers where it's meant to be like a a competition where everybody has a couple of months to come up with some really cool fantasy stuff and granted uh, in some cases especially with the modern builds they are very often using custom texture packs they do mention that on they they always mention it on uh on the episode and in some cases one of the hosts will not be they'll be in default yeah. Or or they'll be in a different pack. So you can always see the different perspective. Um, but something that I really enjoyed was some of the really crazy fantastic, like way over the top builds. And even watching those in default, or even if it was a custom texture pack, you'd still be able to just kind of like think about color, block arrangement, scale, and just kind of once you're a little bit more uh I guess versed in what your your style is or what you're you're capable of, you know, in your gameplay with the nerds with regards to like what texture pack you're using and all that kind of stuff being able to look at something saying i really like that how can i make it my own i don't want to copy it but like i just like the shape of that i would have never thought to make that oval like i would have thought that that would have been square or round or something um, something that i've been learning from the realm of vastin is like a lot of people build on angles like a lot yeah. And it's, it, it, I look at it and it's like, I'm sure if I built a few houses that way, I would learn to do it quickly. But I look at that like, like, I, I, it's not like I can't wrap my head around it, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, wow, that just looks ridiculously complicated, uh, but it looks so good. And and so th- those are the kind of things where like, you look at that kind of stuff and you say, I want to add that to my repertoire. You know, like I want to learn how to do that. And so you can start to just find people that are building on angles and showcasing stuff in, in different ways. and um. If you're not part of a server, maybe consider it, you know, maybe consider popping on. That way you can walk around. And if you see a build that, that someone uh, has done that you really like, you can look at it. You can walk in it and be like, oh, cool. Uh, I get it. Um, the the Corella series that I mentioned, uh, very often they'll have a download uh, link in, in the description where you can then download the, 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 the world yourself and walk around
0: yeah stuff stuff like that inspiration worlds are out there they do exist and they are worth finding if you go onto planet minecraft you'll probably find a few other worlds that you can download to to just like you zoom around in spectator mode do the same thing corralis does in his series and just look around and see what's what's possible because a lot of the time you'll just see one combination of blocks that you never thought oh maybe i should use those together maybe i should use endstone and dark prismarine together And then suddenly that'll trigger the inspiration for a build of your own it's it's worth a go uh so good luck good luck with your 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 building journey uh we should move on to our main topic this week and it's kind of a timely one with 1.14.1 coming out a lot of people now probably making the switch and a lot of people looking into the new villager trading as i have been doing this last week uh i started up a, a discussion on twitter about whether or not people find villager trading too quote unquote easy now because now uh, instead of the old system where you used to have to breed villagers infinitely and they'd all emerge from the breeder with a you know a, a defined set of trades already now breaking and replacing workstations while your villager is still a novice will recycle their trades so now you can find the ideal trades more easily and some folks i've seen argue that this has taken the challenge out of creating villager breeders and sorting systems and has generally made getting, say, an ideal mending trade incredibly easy. And they don't think that should be the case. And I wanted to start this, open this discussion to the forum. Obviously, you guys can email me, uh, email the show and and let me know what your thoughts are. But uh, how do you feel about this, Joel? How do you feel about the, the changes to villager trading? And do you think it should be this easy? So, just so I'm up to speed... If you have a
1: villager that's a librarian and they have a book trade in their first tier, Mm -hmm. you're essentially breaking and replacing the lectern until that first tier trade is what you want. Yes. Because you can't trade with them to unlock their higher tier trades and find out everything that they have. Correct. Right? So really, if you want to explore everything that a villager has to offer, it's not... I I don't perceive it as easy because I I'd have to you know reset the trades trade with the villager realize that they don't have the trades that I want and then get rid of them. So it I don't know why like so I I guess what I'm asking is that is there a tier to the value of the trade relevant to the uh skill level of the villager?
0: Not really. Um, in terms of librarians, librarians are the hot-button issue I think here because the thing everybody wants from villagers is easy access to mending books. They're the only ones right. you can't get out of the enchantment table aside from Frostwalker, which is largely unused and right. um, as far as villager trades goes in terms of the longevity of a player's survival series there are a few things you want from villagers. You want easy access to diamond tools so you don't have to go mining for diamonds and you want mending books so that your tools last forever and right so you're
1: saying that you can get a mending trade at 10 emeralds or less in the first trade available for a librarian it's just a matter of how many times you cycle through that library yes trade. i
0: i right. myself got a mending librarian who had the he started off with a mending book trade and i think um three emeralds for a bookshelf or a bookshelf uh, three bookshelves for one emerald as the trades and Granted, I had cured a bunch of zombie villagers, so they'd already spread a bunch of positive gossip about me, and my reputation was good enough that they had lowered their prices a whole bunch. But that librarian trades me mending books for three emeralds. Wow. And has done done so since they were a novice.
1: Right. So we have a mending villager on the Citadel that trades mending books for ten emeralds, and from what I know, he will keep that trade when he's updated to um to 114 Mm -hmm. Uh, so we already have somebody that's pretty low and should we get any kind of other beneficial you know standing in the village it'll only get lower yeah uh so the thing that i don't miss uh and granted i haven't played with the new villagers but what i don't miss about the way that things now work is the idea of carting villagers around Mm -hmm. of needing to move them and setting up a villager trade and all this kind of stuff it's they they have uncooperative ai they usually die usually because they're dumb enough to walk into a block or something and they suffocate like there's there's a lot of ways when you're trying to manipulate vir- villagers around that uh would be very frustrating um when we were first learning about them on the citadel we were trying to move some villagers with doors and we got them like 500 blocks and then a baby zombie appeared that was on fire and just like destroyed everybody mm-hmm. and we're just like oh like we were it we were, we we didn't rage quit, but there was a heavy sigh and kind of like, see you tomorrow guys, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and and it's one of those things where like now that doesn't seem to be the case. And I would much rather have easier access to to trades uh in this way than the other way around. I'd never found the mechanic of needing to have an infinite villager breeder, fill my villager tank with 25 villagers and then sit there and go through them and be just like, nope, you're done. Nope, you're a a cartographer, cartographer, cartographer. Like it just, I don't care. Like it just, it didn't feel, it felt like a waste of gameplay. It felt like Mm -hmm. all this code is being put towards stuff that people just don't want. You know, whereas what they want is like you said, fast track to the toolsmith that can give you some diamond tools And the librarian that can give you some mending books. Now you can get, you don't have to, you don't necessarily need uh, an infinite villager breeder. You know, you might have to breed a few villagers, but you don't need the endless stream because the RNG is just so stacked against you. Um, I feel like they could make it maybe harder. Like I I kind of expected it actually uh, to be that mending would not be a trade that would show up in a novice. Librarian.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, the books don't really have any kind of weight in terms of where they appear in a villager's traits. It is entirely right. random as far as I can tell. So right. you could just as easily, like, like in 113, you could get a mending trade that cost you 46 emeralds, or you could get one that cost you 10. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're not really, you know, beholden to any kind of system behind the scenes. It's just a random roll of the dice what book you get and for what price. And so I, I've gotten a, a mending trade for two, three emeralds. I've got one that started out as like 40-something, but then was lowered to about 10 or 12, thanks to the discounts I was getting, that kind of stuff. It's interesting that you bring up the fact that it feels like you're you're not really seeing much gameplay from making a villager breeder and that kind of stuff, because the arguments I was seeing on Twitter specifically from technical players was that that is gameplay for them. The Developing a system to you know, sort through villagers. the kind of press one button, they go in the lava, press the other button, they go into the trading hall. That is gameplay for them. And they feel like that has now been removed because the trades can just be re-rolled more easily. So, you know, Mm. that, that, that kind of system is no longer required and that's removed their the the thing that was fun for them which i can i can absolutely appreciate that that if that's how you how you get your kicks in minecraft if that's the kind of stuff that you're you're finding redstone solutions to those problems then sure i can understand but i feel like there are ways around that that you for a start it's it's no longer necessary to do that but it's not impossible to do that they haven't necessarily taken that away you can still do it if you find that stuff fun would be my counter argument to that. It's it's like folks who say, like, you know, fighting mobs is too easy whilst they're wearing the most powerful diamond armor and using the most powerful weapons. It's like, well, just wear yeah. some leather armor and have a challenge. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: That, well, that's what I do. Like, I, I wear iron armor, and it's, it's it's because the server that I'm on, some of the players didn't want it on hard. So I was like, all right, well, I'll make it harder for me. Yeah, and you, and you, move, you move
0: the goalposts for you specifically. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, and I want to be clear. I enjoyed building my villager breeder and building my my trading hall, the hotel of eternity. It, it, it's actually one of the builds I'm more proud of. Uh, little, it's it's inside, which is disappointing. So when you walk by, it just looks like a cliff, but everything's inside of a cave. Uh, but using it afterwards, I don't find fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's similar to what we spoke about last week about like you know being able to trade for emeralds at nauseam with villagers in one thirteen uh, without that time reset. Uh, it's handy but it's not fun to do it yeah you know and i and i think that at least this way yes i potentially miss out on some gameplay of building a giant system but uh and i say that because i choose to do that uh but i then do not have to go through the endless scroll of trying to find all the villagers that i want because it took us a long time you know to to get the villagers in our you know our trading hall that we wanted and and it when you when you're struggling to find those i can see that that being a point of frustration and to not have to do that that's fine by me um one thing that i'm curious about is do you think it would be better if they made if they would it be too subjective if they tiered the, the book trades or if they tiered everything like if, if you wanted like the best price it would only be available from is it journeyman what's the what's the expert what's the top level it goes
0: it goes novice apprentice journeyman expert master
1: master so yep. so say a master uh you know uh villager is going to have the best traits you know or or that's where you're going to find the unbreaking three pickaxe yeah. or something that you know you really really want um that to me would be enough to to add a little bit of gameplay, but at the same time, I can also appreciate the randomness and the how like the really fun sense of discovery when you find that toolsmith and the first thing that he has is like this crazy sword, and you're just like, oh sweet! Like that's that's so lucky, you know. It's it's like stumbling upon you know diamonds when you're mining, right? Like it's just it's it's one of those things that's exciting about discovering in, in games that have that kind of random generation. Um, I had a question I was going to ask you, and I can't remember what it was. Well. it was. It was specifically about, it was about the system. It was about building the system. And I can't remember what it was because for me, like, oh, I, re- I remember what it is now. I think part of the blowback from people saying that the system is no longer something that is necessary. And you're saying like, well, it can be, you could build it if you want. I think the the same kind of player that says that the system is no longer necessary and I can't build it anymore, I feel like the mindset of those kind of players is hinged on efficiency. Yeah. So whereas before you had to make the infinite villager breeder and you had to have the redstone trading hall to do this efficiently, right? And now that you don't need those, Yes, you can still build them if they're fun, but you don't need them, and I yeah. think that's where that—that's where that logic cutoff is with some players. We're just like, well, why would I bother to build it if I don't need it?
0: Right? Yeah, no, exactly. I, th- I think that's—that's that's definitely the crux of it: is them wanting to do this because they have to, and and mm-hmm. and resolving that particular problem. Whereas now the solution is so easy that they don't see the point in putting more effort into producing something more complicated because. That it doesn't really make it any better for them. Mm. So I, I can see that. I'd like to see somebody implement some sort of way to re roll a novice villager's profession using redstone. So instead of breaking and placing the block yourself, you push the workstation closer to them or further away from them. I don't know what radius they detect. Uh, a a workstation from and it was difficult to test in 114 because there was a bug where they might not lose their trades if they couldn't walk towards the workstation that they were claiming um, so it might be easier to try that in 114.1. some village workstations aren't pushable uh, like anything that can have contents like a barrel, the smoker, the lectern um, those aren't pushable because uh, Java Edition doesn't have the, uh, the, the kind of back-end programming to push anything that's got contents um but maybe you could move the villager towards in a way if they were in a minecart or something. I'm I'm not certain quite how you'd do that, but there there are definitely new ways of doing this that I think because the update is so new, people just haven't got around to thinking about yet. They're more concerned about all of the stuff I used to do is now no longer necessary, more than, well, what can I now do with the new system? And I'm I'm looking forward to if this stays as the norm for villagers for a long time the solutions people come up with the new kind of gadgets that they come up with to to figure out how to redstoneify the new villager system
1: yeah this could get really complicated i just quickly typed it into the wiki and uh a quick read here in java edition and bedrock edition villagers other than babies and nitwits seek employment by searching a 48 block radius yeah so that's that's a wide range yeah for a job site block An unemployed villager acquires a profession and a job by claiming the first unclaimed job site block it can detect in that area. A job site block can be immediately detected regardless of placement, reachability, or even visibility.
0: Yeah. So that's the thing. I I kind of wonder if if you could like show a villager almost like a slideshow of different workstations and then like if it's a visibility thing, maybe they can just you know, just push the piston down in front of the thing so that they can't see it anymore. Do they become unemployed again? If so, you just like flick a lever on and off a couple of times to see what their trades are. Like, I, right? I'm, but
1: that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. That, that the wiki says, regardless of visibility. Right. So yeah, it's yeah. It, it's it's forty eight block radius. As long as it's there in the world, they were just ping detected. So to okay. me, it feels like moving because you said even some of the blocks aren't movable, right? Yeah. Like some of the yeah. So you could potentially move the villagers i mean it would be a wide range but like if you had a system where you could put a villager in a minecart, roll them more than 48 blocks or i guess more than you know 96 blocks away or 90 yeah 96 blocks um and put them in front of a different job block then maybe or profession block then maybe they would switch but i yeah i don't know it it doesn't seem at all clear on the wiki uh and if it is that case i don't if if it's that long of a range how do you even change a villager's profession
0: you break and replace the workstation (laughs) but right uh, but i i think so how, so how does
1: that how does how does the villager not grab another block within that within that range i guess if that villager has to be the only one not employed
0: yeah yeah that's that's basically it. And the 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 way you would do it is have all of the workstations 47 blocks away from where you are and just have a minecart track that goes 3 blocks away 3 blocks back. Uh like so so it'd be a really abstract mm. setup where the the workstations mm. themselves would be very far from where you were. You're not plonking them down in front of the lectern first of all. You're just getting mm. them to the point where they are. Like, they've got the trades you want, you trade with them a couple of times, so they're a journeyman or a, an apprentice or whatever, and then you send them into the system and put them in front of a workstation block that they then claim. You know, th- there's there's a bunch of different stuff, but this all has to happen pretty far away from the place where you want your trading hall to be because that's where all of your other profession blocks are going to be. So mm. it's, it's potentially a system that's got its quirks, but I think people will find interesting ways of implementing that. Once they've gotten past the fact that the stuff they used to do is no longer possible, I think people are still going to find solutions to problems. People are going to find interesting ways of interfacing with this stuff uh, because that's the challenge. That's, That's how technical Minecraft works. It's finding ways to make it so that players have to do as little as possible once the system is set up that's still that's still going to be a case i think that's still going to be something people can do with this system it's just taking us a while same with iron farms right yeah, no, exactly. Like as, so- as soon as people get their hands dirty with that stuff, I I expect great things. Don't let me down, technical community. <laughs> but for now, I think that's going to be it for this episode of the Spawn Chunks, folks. Thank you so much for listening. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we talked about at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can do that at Patreon.com/slash/thespawnchunks, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and get us closer to our next goal of recording the spawn chunks live in the discord with a bunch of people listening in we're currently at 109 patrons which is another increase from last week thank you so much to everyone who has hopped on board including our content engineers jd williamson Pajitos, pankwa and yitz for their extra support on this episode
1: Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spunchunks on Twitter and Instagram. But a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast. Poke a friend in the arm, server mate, other people uh, that you talk to about Minecraft and just let them know that this is a fun podcast to take part in and they should do it as well. You can contact the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com and subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on YouTube if that's where you hang your podcast hat. Don't forget to leave a podcast review and a rating because it's a great way for the podcast to reach new listeners. I believe we have a rating in here from the third person in Apple Podcasts UK. Uh, Simply amazing. If you like Minecraft, then you should listen to this podcast. If you aren't already, where have you been? <laughs> nice. Uh, this is by far the best Minecraft podcast with an entertaining with entertaining discussions and people where you might even learn a thing or two. Well, thank you. That's very very nice of you to say. Uh, learning is subjective. I always. Mm-hmm. me i always i always come to this like i'm going to talk about stuff i'm not sure how right i am
0: yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, a, I, I have opinions I'll, i can at least do that right? i'll save the teaching for my youtube episodes i think this is <laughs> yeah this is the wild west as far as the podcast is concerned yeah uh speaking
1: of the podcast if you want to get it on your device the rss feed is linked on the SpunChunks.com. you can also search for us by name in your favorite podcast app the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page and that is where you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the
0: podcast my name is johnny but online i go by pixel riffs and you can find most of what i do at youtube.com slash pixel where i attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the minecraft survival guide i also stream three days a week on twitch doing behind the scenes work for the aforementioned series and i'm the voice for the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search aside from that i'm at pixel Rifts on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online
1: Everything I'm doing online is at joelduggan.com. That includes my illustration and design portfolio. I am open for commissions. If you'd like to hire me, then just drop me a line there. There are also links to all of my social media, including Twitch, which is where I'm going to point you now. Twitch.tv slash joelduggan is where I hang my Minecraft hat most of the time. And all of that behind-the-scenes admin stuff that I was talking about at the top of the show, I'm going to be doing a little bit of streaming while I look at a backup and explore the world and see what we can do uh, in terms of uh, bringing things forward. So if that's something that might interest you, then tune into twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan.
0: Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Huh